Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for Before I was saved, I found a verse that really scared me into repentance. The Israelites had been lost in the desert under Moses' leadership for a long time, and so they challenged Moses for his leadership, not realizing they were challenging God in the process, and so they wanted to kick Moses out. And Moses said, okay, look, if you die a natural death, then God has not sent me, but if the ground opens up and swallows you where you stand, then that means the Lord has sent me. And then Numbers 16, verse 31 says, Now it came to pass, as he finished speaking all these words, that the ground split apart under them, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, with their households, and all the men, with Korah, with all their goods. So they, and all those with them, went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed over them, and they perished from among the assembly. Okay, God took these hater guys out. He literally buried them alive. And what's interesting is they never saw it coming. And so today's message is 2 Kings 1, never saw it coming. So now in 2 Kings 1, at this point in history, Israel was still divided into two separate kingdoms. And if you remember, King Ahab had died in battle in 1 Kings 22. The Lord had taken him out with this random arrow, and Ahab never saw that coming either. So that's, that's kind of the theme, never saw it coming. Here in 2 Kings 1, verse 1, Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. Okay, I'm already going to stop right there because just to explain the, the circumstances at hand here, Moab at this time had long been under heavy taxation by Israel under that wicked King Omri back in 1 Kings 16. So when King Ahab of Israel died, King Misha, he's the guy that ran Moab, he thought Ahaziah was going to be a much weaker king than Ahab was. He probably saw him as a a wimp or something. (laughs) And so King Misha of Moab took this as an opportunity to attack Israel to get out from underneath that taxation debt. 2 Kings 1 and 2. Now Ahaziah fell through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and was injured, so he sent messengers and said to them, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this injury. Okay, so we were given verse 1 as one incident, but then verse 2 gives us a whole new situation here that shows why it's not a good idea to rival against the Lord, to not be a (laughs) God-hater. So here was Ahaziah. He's just walking along. He's doing his daily routine of hating God, just like his dad Ahab had done. And then, bam, he falls right through the floor. Okay, he didn't see it coming, right? So rather than call upon the Lord God of Israel, the nation that he ruled over, instead he chose to call 
on Beelzebub, the god of Akron, to see whether he's going to recover or not. Guys, this is what you call hard-boiled rejection. He just hates the God of Israel. He won't call on him. He will not consult with the Lord God of Israel. Okay, so who is Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Well, Ekron was a Philistine city that was 40 miles away. Now, if King David were alive, he would have said, hey, remember Goliath? And he would have knocked the daylights out of Ahaziah for consulting with a Philistine false god. So, Beelzebub is two names that are put together. Baal means Lord, and it was the name for the Canaanite fertility god. That's why he's looking for this god, a fertility god, a god of life. Am I going to live or not? And Zebul means exalted dwelling. So you put the names together, it becomes Beelzebub, and that later in the Greek would become known as Beelzebub, which was another name for Satan himself. Now, asking help from the god of Ekron is the same thing as asking help from Satan, because there are no other gods other than the Lord God, and to ask from anything else is wicked. Might as well be asking the devil himself, which he is. But guys, this displays the depth of Ahaziah's apostasy, showing us how bad, how much he hated and despised the Lord God of Israel. Now, Ahaziah is not just some random guy down the street that just lives somewhere in Israel. He was the king of Israel. I mean, that's big. He was accountable to the Lord God of Israel for all the power and all the privilege that he had been given by the Lord. But instead of using his ability to call upon the Lord, he turned away from the Lord. Friends, his rejection of God is rather blunt and very sharp. 2 Kings 1, three. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say to them, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore, thus says the Lord, You shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So Elijah departed. Okay, now we've seen this angel of the Lord appear before. You know, a lot of people don't believe in time travel, but I do. I believe there's one that guy that can do it, and that's the angel of the Lord. He has appeared before to talk to Abraham. We've seen him talking with Moses. We've even seen him talk with Gideon in biblical history past. And every time he showed up in Scripture, he always had some kind of big announcement to make. So what would be the big announcement here in Second Kings? The fact that Ahaziah, the king of Israel, had asked Baalzebub, a false god of the Philistines, for crying out loud, asked him for healing, this would be an opportunity to publicly announce the king's death before it happens, in order to show the entire nation of Israel who the true god of Israel really is. So do you see how big this is, this announcement now? So the angel of the Lord showed up to make an announcement, and he told Elijah, a prophecy that would be played out on a national level that there is no God except Yahweh, the God of Israel. God was about to make a big statement to his people, I am the one true God. Now, another layer that I want to add to this picture is the fact that King Ahab was Ahaziah's father. And remember how Ahab always whined. He always said, God's prophets never say anything nice about me. 
It sounded kind of childish when I say it that way, but it pretty much is. They never say good stuff about me, so I don't want to hear from prophets, okay? So it's likely that Ahaziah learned this God-hatred from dear old dad, which is why he refused to inquire of the Lord for his own well-being, like father, like son. 2 Kings 1.5 And when the messengers returned to him, he said to them, Why have you come back? So they said to him, A man came up to meet us and said to us, Go, return to the king who sent you, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. Then he said to them, What kind of man was it who came up to meet you and told you these words? So they answered him, a hairy man wearing a leather belt around his waist. And he said, it is Elijah the Tishbite. (laughs) So, okay, the king had said, why have you come back? Okay, his messengers had taken off and they returned way too quick to cover the 40-mile trip to Ekron and back already. You're back way too quick to have gone 80 miles. What's wrong? Ahaziah knew something kind of different had happened other than what he had asked them to go do. And since the news that he got back was set against him, I think Ahaziah sensed the same thing that his dad Ahab had always felt, that this news came from a prophet of God. And so I can just imagine Ahaziah (laughs) probably closing his eyes and leaning his head back with his hand on his forehead, asking, what did this guy look like? (laughs) When his messenger said, a hairy man, that didn't mean that Elijah himself was hairy, but he wore hair that was woven as clothing. He, He had a hair shirt on, hairy garments, and a leather belt. That's what the Lord's prophets typically wore. And it made them really stand out because, first of all, nobody wants to look like this. Nobody Who wants to wear a hair shirt, right? Nobody wants to be uncomfortable in a hair shirt because they're very rough and they're very itchy. They don't feel good. Let me show you Matthew 3, verse 4. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. Okay, this is what God's prophets wore. This is how they dressed. Now, I got to thinking about wearing camel hair or any animal hair, how harsh that would be. It would scratch and it would irritate your skin, right? So you would ideally, you'd want to wear it very loosely to kind of keep, if you had to wear a shirt made of hair, okay, you'd want, to, it want, you'd want it to hang off of you loose, right? But to put on a leather belt, oh my gosh, guys, think about that. That would only tighten it up against you and make it worse the abrasion and now the skin irritation it's not it's cu- not comfortable it might cut you a little bit especially the longer you wear it and so people thought these prophets were crazy for inflicting themselves with distress to wear such rough and ugly clothing like this but the prophets wore what was called sackcloth as you would call it or these the the hair shirt to show back to the people yes you're right It is crazy. It is absolutely nuts for anybody to willingly inflict themselves with the rough ugliness of sin and not even be repentant about it. So they were showing the people by wearing this abrasive, uncomfortable clothing. That's what you're doing, wearing the sin that you're in. You're distressing yourself. You're agitating yourself. 
It's very uncomfortable. It inflicts pain, the sin that you're wearing, and you look as crazy in that as I look in this hair shirt. That was the point of why a prophet of God dressed like this. And so they would dress like this to show everybody what their spiritual condition looked like. And friends, nobody ever dressed like this except the Lord's prophets. That was a visual statement for other people to see how bad the trouble was that they were in so that that would get them to turn back to the Lord God. So when Ahaziah's messengers told him it was a hairy man with a leather belt around his waist, I'm sure Ahaziah was like, oh, that's one of God's guys. That's Elijah the Tishbite. Oh, shoot. (laughs) So what do you think a hard-boiled God-hater is going to do at this point? Do you think he's going to be in agreement and go, oh, okay, well, you know, that's good good to me? No, he's not going to do that. Ahaziah hates the Lord. He was taught to hate the Lord, and he's going to further show his hatred of God by making things way, way worse. 2 Kings 1.9 Then the king sent to him a captain of 50 with his 50 men. So he went up to him, and there he was, sitting on top of a hill. And he spoke to him, Man of God, the king has said, Come down. You know, guys, when I read this, I kind of shake my head because Ahaziah, he just didn't get the point, did he? And so he sent enough guys to make the odds 50 to 1. 50 guys to arrest one man. Now, this is Ahaziah showing complete and total contempt against Elijah and total contempt and rebellion against God himself. So they came to Elijah barking orders at him with the same attitude that they had towards God himself. No, we are in charge, not you. You need to come down here. Look at how this captain of 50 men called Elijah, though. He called him a man of God. He called him that. What this means is that Ahaziah and his captains, they knew good and well who they were dealing with, that they were dealing with God. They called him a man of God. It's not that they didn't know who he was. They knew who Elijah stood for. The issue here is they didn't care. They didn't care. They had no respect for God's authority. They had no fear of what God would could do to them for being so belligerent. And to not fear God means that you don't believe he has any power over you. It's like when you tell your kids to do something, they go, I don't have to do what you say. Well, let me just show you the power I have over you then. (laughs) When they act like that, they're showing, we're not scared of you because we don't really think you can do anything about it. These men that showed up in front of Elijah, they demonstrated by their very language, it showed how much they hated the Lord God of Israel. 2 Kings 1.10, so Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, if I am a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Now, you notice that Elijah did not come down when they told him to. (laughs) You get down here and he didn't do it. Why did he not do that? Because these men were challenging God's authority. They were wicked men. Was Ahaziah in charge around here? For God's servants to obey them, or was God the one who had the authority who commands Ahaziah's servants to obey him? So when this fire came down to consume these 50 guys and this captain, then God sent Ahaziah a very strong message with that, Israel's king, that he should be bowing his knee to the God of Israel because God is not going to bow 
to Ahaziah. Friends, I'll tell you one thing. The Lord God is never going to bow down to you, but we have to bow to him. He's never going to sit in our court and let us judge him and let us tell him what we think about him, whether we like him or not, but we will sit in his court in judgment someday. So friends, do you think Ahaziah is going to get the message this time? 2 Kings 1.11 Then he sent to him another captain of 50 with his 50 men. And he answered and said to him, Man of God, thus has the king said, Come down quickly. So Elijah answered and said to them, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Okay, what we're seeing here (laughs) is proof of just how deep Ahaziah's rebellion was against God. See, this is not a man that just happened to mess up one time. Oops, I'm sorry, Lord, I'll do better next time. No, this is a lot worse than just an honest mistake. Ahaziah demonstrated deep, willful, baked-on, caked-on rebellion and hatred against the Lord that he was not going to let go of. And one thing that results from hating the Lord is tragedy. Now it has been 100 men and two captains that have paid for their own bad decisions to follow Ahaziah with the same exact attitude that he had against God. In fact, the captain made sure that Elijah understood that it was the king that commanded him to come down. Now, you know good and well that the second group of men, they knew what happened to the first group. It's, it's ignorance to go through 100 guys now. And so the reason, though, why Elijah repeated himself that fire was going to come down from heaven was so that any one of those 50 men, they could have heard that warning, fire's about to come down, here it comes, and they could have made their own moment to make a choice to get out of there. They had an opportunity to bail, and they didn't. So Elijah repeated himself about the fire that was coming down, not only for the men to make a decision, which they never made, apparently, But he also wanted all the onlookers, all the people that were watching, to go out and tell everybody what they saw. The Lord was using this situation to spread the news around that he is God. He is the one in charge, not Ahaziah. Friend, you are not in charge of your life. The Lord God is. You need to turn it over to him. And so fire fell down a second time, which proved that the first time was not some kind of freak accident that people could explain away, oh, we probably had a comet go by or something. But no, this was a planned and timed and useful work of the Lord who was demonstrating himself to his people who he was, and he was demonstrating his power. So after 100 men died in two separate incidents with fire coming from heaven in exactly the same way. Do you think Ahaziah got the picture yet? Let's look. 2 Kings one thirteen again. Oh, look at this, guys. Again, he sent a third captain of 50 with his 50 men. And the captain of 50 went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and pleaded with him and said to him, Man of God, Please let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. Look, fire has come down from heaven and burned up the first two captains of 50s with their 50s. But let my life now be precious in your sight. Oh, isn't that good? God loves it when people do this. This is fantastic. Now, Ahaziah still had a very hardened heart. Probably his heart was even more hardened than it was when he sent the first 50. 
But sending this third group just cements the fact that he hated God to his very core. The text here is basically building us a case up to show what God had against Ahaziah by showing us how severely unrepentant he actually was. A lot of people like to fault God. Oh, God kills people. Oh, my God. No, no, no. Look at how bad this man was. He hated the Lord so bad. He was the king of Israel. It was propagating hatred and wickedness around the whole nation. A lot of people were suffering for it. That's why Elijah wore the the hairy shirt, to show him, look at the trouble y'all are in. We are being shown how unrepentant he was. But now compare Ahaziah's attitude with this third captain. This third captain had an authority set over him, and he was ordered to go out and do a wicked act against the Lord, but this captain's conscience was so convicted about doing this evil that he chose to say no. Friends, grace will teach you to say no to ungodliness. So rather than submit to King Ahaziah's authority, the third captain instead, he submitted himself to Elijah under the Lord God's authority. Why did he do this? I can point out three main reasons that I can see here. Number one, he recognized Elijah as a man who spoke not according to his own authority, but by God's authority, because he referred to Elijah as man of God. Number two, he had a fear of God that superseded his fear of Ahaziah because he bowed before Elijah. Number three, and this is a very pivotal point that I want you to remember, this third captain. He acknowledged the fire. He acknowledged the fire. If you're listening to me taking notes, you need to write that down. He acknowledged the fire. Don't forget this. The Lord God burned the others up, and he acknowledged that fire. He didn't want it. 2 Kings 1.15 And the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So he arose and went down with him to the king. Then he said to him, Thus says the Lord, Because you have sent messengers to inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, is it because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So what we have is the Lord's superior power over Ahaziah was not only displayed in the third captain, because the third captain reacted to the Lord, not what Ahaziah wanted, but also. God's power was demonstrated in Elijah, because this time he came down from the hill. Elijah trusted in the Lord to come down. I just want you to remember 1 Kings 19, that those of you have been following me here, how Elijah was scared to death of King Ahab and Jezebel. You remember that? But look at Elijah now. He's come a long way since then. He really came up a lot in his faith. He really progressed, didn't he? So this is not just a display of faith on the captain's part, but let's also look at Elijah's faith. He's not scared of these guys anymore. He knows that now it's God's timing for him to go and confront the king directly. And so this entire scenario here of fire devouring group after group until now, this whole thing had been designed to demonstrate God's authority over not just the king, but over all the nation of Israel. God is trying to show his people who he is. This is pretty much a repeat of that big contest on Mount Carmel when fire came down and consumed all the worshipers of Baal. God was calling his people, just like he did then, to turn back to him.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.